I'd like to speak to you from this passage along this line of calling all faithful fathers. This message is not just for fathers, but there will be an emphasis, of course, there. And we need faithful fathers, we need faithful men, we need faithful women, we need faithful young people, and we need faithful followers of the Lord Jesus Christ in the day in which we live. As we read the Word of God, and I hope you read the Word of God every day and ask the Lord to help you to understand more of the Word of God, we will recognize that God has many names. Now, God is one, God is three in one, but God is one, but God is referred to throughout the Scripture by many names. And uh, one of those names is the name Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Shammah, which the definition of Jehovah Shammah is, the Lord is there. This name was given to uh, the city in in a vision that a man by the name of Ezekiel had. Let's take our Bibles as we hold our finger in Mark 5. We're coming right back there. But I want you to see this in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel in chapter number 48. It is the very last verse of the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel right before Daniel. And the last verse of the book of Ezekiel, chapter 48, verse 35. It says, it was round about 18,000 measures. And the name of the city from that day shall be, the Lord is there. The Lord is there. Now, this was a very special name to the Jewish exiles. And this isn't a message about the names of God, but I think you'll, you'll understand where we're going here. It was, it was special to the Jewish exiles because they were uh, uh, in Babylon. They were cut off from uh, God, so to speak, or so they thought. And I'm thankful we can never be cut off from God. I'm thankful that as a, as a child of God, uh, He is always there, Jehovah Shammah. And uh, they were cut off from God, but in this glorious city of promise, this city of promise is what it's talking about here in verse 35, the Lord is there. And so it was a very special name for God, the Lord is there. Now we'll go back to our text in Mark chapter 5. Let me just pray one more time and we'll continue. Heavenly Father, thank you for the special number and song. We give you the praise and glory for it. Thank you for using Brother Kevin and Brother Carlos to worship you in song and for us to be beneficiaries of it. And thank you for uh, finding us. And Lord, I pray today that someone would turn to Christ and be saved even in this hour. Help us, Lord, to determine to be more faithful for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Numerous times in the last 22 years, I have heard someone sit across from my desk, someone sit with me in a coffee shop, someone sit with me in a restaurant, and hear something to the effect of either, I don't even know who my father is, or... My relationship with my father is very estranged or it's very uh, splintered. It's, it's not good. It's happened over and over and over again. And the reason why I bring Jehovah Shammah to the forefront tonight, this morning, is that 
In the same way, some of these individuals may have felt forsaken by their earthly father. Maybe that's you here today. I'm not trying to bring up anything that would hurt you in any way. I'm trying to help you by the word of God, but just stay with me if you would in this. Like the people of Israel, they were cut off. They felt cut off from God. They felt abandoned by God because they were in Babylon. And Ezekiel said, hey, there's some hope here. There's some hope here. In this city, the Lord is there. He is faithful. Jehovah Shammah. But as I've heard testimonies time and time again from young men and sometimes from not so young men and sometimes from young ladies and not so young ladies, I say that respectfully, that the relationship with their earthly father wasn't pleasant or it wasn't a good situation. Now, we might look today, we might think, you know, that's the world. That's, you're talking about the world. You're talking about people on the outside, aren't you? Well, maybe we are, but you know what? I don't think it just involves people out there. In fact, I think it probably could involve many of us right here. Whether it be 25 or 30 years ago, or can I say this lovingly, maybe it's right now. Maybe right now, your relationship with your father, I'm talking about your father is still living. Pay attention, guys. Your relationship with your father isn't what it ought to be. I hope God will help you in this message. Unfortunately, there are too many phantom fathers in our world today. Phantom fathers. Sadly, this can include, even within Anchor Baptist Church, they are rarely there in the home, and even when they are there in the home, they are not there in the home. You see, Jehovah Shammah said, the Lord is there. And just as much as God is faithful in our life, we need a faithful, we need, I'm thankful we have a faithful Heavenly Father, but I want to call on us today, those of us that are fathers, I want to call on us today, all of us here, that we examine our life and see, is there, is there an area of our life where we're just not being as faithful as we ought to be? I know sometimes statistics and facts that are, that are, that are, that are made are sometimes not so uh, impactful, but I like to use a few at this time. One is that involved dads, involved dads improve their children's overall emotional and social well-being. Children who live with their dads do better in school. These are not things I came up with. These are things I researched and found online, okay? Involved dads reduce mom's parenting stress. And every mother said, okay, moms, it's not even Mother's Day, but I gave you a shot there, okay. You should have been waving your hanky. Involved dads reduce mom's parenting stress. Okay, I tried. I even gave you a second try, okay. 19 and a half million children in the United States right now. One in four live without a father in their home. Boys have fewer behavioral problems and girls have fewer psychological problems when they have an involved dad in the home. 
Again, I'm thankful this morning that whether, while these statistics might, might speak to your life or my life, doesn't mean that we listen to something like this and we say, yeah, that's just how it is. No, we listen to something like this and we say, well, that doesn't really impact me, or, but, it, but it may impact somebody I know. It may impact a family member. It may impact a neighbor. It may impact a coworker. Fathering a child does not make a man a father. Fathering a child does not make a man a father. There's a great level of responsibility that comes along with the title father. And I'm humbled by that title, by the way. And I don't take it lightly in my own life. Earlier today, Brother Dwayne read for us Ephesians 6.4. Could we turn over a few pages and look at Ephesians 6.4? And I, I, don't think I'm, I don't think anybody here, and I say this with all due respect, I don't think anybody here just came out from under a rock today. Uh, manhood could be under the most severe attack that it's ever been under. At least I know in my lifetime, I'll be 50 soon, manhood has never been attacked like it's being attacked right now. The reason manhood is being attacked is because, we'll get to Ephesians 6, 4, because Satan hates the home with a passion. You know why Satan hates the home? Because God created the home. Satan hates everything God hates. You know, God, God started the church. I didn't start the church. God did. You know that Satan hates the church? Yeah, with a passion. Because God started it. And Christ gave his life for it. And so Satan hates it. And so God started the home. Adam and Eve. It's pretty basic. Okay, if we kind of forget how it all began, just go back to Genesis and you're going to find one man, one woman. God started the home. And that's the, that's the, way, that's the way the home should continue today. And so because of that, Satan is, is, is uh, attacking and Satan will attack the head. Who is the head of the church? Come on. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And so what did Satan do? I mean, even before the church was established, uh, Satan was uh, attacking Jesus and tempting Jesus and trying to get him from not going to the cross because, uh, because of the, the sacrifice that would be made. And, and the name of Jesus Christ is still under attack today. As we've said this before, you can talk about God until the cows come home and everybody will just kind of nod their head. But as soon as you bring Jesus into the conversation and that he is God, well, now you've crossed over the threshold. Why is that? That's because Satan hates Christ. He's the head of the church. Who's the head of the home? The Father is the head of the home. I didn't set this up. Jesus, God set this up. Uh, the man is the head of the home. That doesn't mean he's the general. Everybody else just gets stepped on. That's not what it means. But he is the head of the home. It is the divine order. And so who is Satan attacking today? Satan is attacking dad. Satan is attacking husband. I'm not saying he's not attacking anybody else in the home, but he's always going for the leader. We need to be aware of that. Manhood is under just this onslaught of attack. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 and verse 4. Can we read it together? Let's read it together. Ready? Begin. And ye fathers... 
Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Can I just say, uh, there's no way I can do that as a father if I'm not there. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If I'm not there, I can't do that. If I'm never available to, to listen to what's on their heart, if I'm never available to give them some time, and I'm not talking about texting back and forth with a child, fine, we can do that, wonderful. I'm talking about talking to them. If I'm never there, how can I bring my child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? It's impossible. Bringing them up is not just taking care of their physical needs, although it includes it. Bringing them up is not just taking them to church, although it includes it. I found this quote, when a father attends church, there's a 93% chance that everyone else in the household will too. Let's look, at, let's look at that the other way around. When a father doesn't attend church, there's only a 7% chance that everybody in the household will. If my math is correct. 100, yeah, okay. You see how important that is? But you see how, you see how, you see why the attack is on uh, the man, if you will. It's, it's on all of us. I'm just saying, though, as we concentrate on this today, that the attack is real and Satan is not going to let up. Bringing them up, as I'm, I'm, I'm using that, bring them up, bringing them up, our children up, is not so much do as I say, it is do as I do. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but possibly your father was a do-as-I-say, not a do-as-I-do father. I don't want to be a do-as-I-say. I want to be a do-as-I-do. Then I heard someone say this this morning. I was listening to some preaching along the same lines. It's not so much what I know. It's more important what I show. It's not so much what I know as a father, but it's what I show. What do I show my kids? What do I show my family? And that's not being in a showmanship. It's how we live our life. So that brings us to the text, Mark chapter 5. That was all introduction. Let's get into the text. I'm just so passionate about this praying for the men of Anchor Baptist Church. And I, I pray for all of us here today. Don't get me wrong, but... I'm really, I'm really concerned about the men. I'm really concerned about the dads. I'm really concerned about the leaders of the home. And you should be too. Whether you're the man in the home or whether you're the teenager in the home, I hope you're praying for the father that's in your home. I hope you're praying for the dad that's in your home. I hope you're praying for the man that's in your home. I hope you're praying for the men of Anchor Baptist Church. I hope you're praying for the, for the leaders of Anchor Baptist Church in the homes and the dads and the moms. Because Satan is preying on us. Different spelling. But he's praying. He's devouring. And meanwhile, we just carry on with our life. We go to work. We come home. We go to work. We come home. And one of these days, it's going to be too late. The devouring is going to be done. Oh, my friend, listen to the Lord this morning. Don't listen to, the, to the, the pastor. Listen to the Holy Spirit of God. Listen to the Word of God. In Mark 5, we find a man who was a very religious man. He was a, he was a leader. Jairus was a, a leader. In fact, he was someone who ruled in the synagogue. He was someone who would have been known all throughout the community. I mean, when you said his name, everybody knew who you were talking about. 
This was not somebody who was just an obscure individual. This was somebody who had a very important uh, title and a very important job. And, and he, was a pre, uh, uh, the word, he was a presiding elder of the synagogue. And it included the entire area of Capernaum. I said, I wrote this down. He was a prominent man in the congregation. But more important than that, not just that Jairus was a prominent man, and I praise God for all the hardworking men in this room today, by the way. I'm thankful for God's enabling us to work and hard, hardworking people in this room. But you know what? Where, what is our identity? Our identity should not be in our job. As a Christian, my identity is in Christ. My identity is in the, in the one who came to me, as they sang about a few moments ago. One of the identities that Christ has given, given is the identity, in some cases, Jairus had a, a title uh, at, at work. He had a title in the community. He had a title within the synagogue, but he also had a title at home. Husband would have been a title at home, first and foremost. As we think about it today, the emphasis is not on his marriage here in this text. The emphasis is on his parenting. And so he had a title at home that was far greater than leader of the synagogue. He had a title at home that was far greater than presiding elder. You might say he had a title at home that was far greater than pastor. I'm not speaking about me. I'm speaking about the title pastor. Far greater title, though, that Jairus had. And that was the title that you all know. That was the title of father. This was a high and holy title that he had. And we find in our text here today several things about Jairus, and I want to bring them to your attention, and I pray that God will help us. Number one, we see in verse number 22 that there was help sought. There was help sought by Jairus. We found earlier that he had a daughter. His daughter was 12 years old. We read that a few moments ago in the Scripture. We find that his daughter was at home. His daughter was dying, and Jairus knew exactly where Jairus needed to go. You see, Jairus knew that there was this man named Jesus Christ. The Bible says there in verse number 22, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, so he went specifically to find the Lord Jesus Christ. He had just, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ had just got off the boat. Verse 21 tells us that. And he had just arrived on the seashore. And all of a sudden, here is Jairus there to meet him. And he's got one thing in mind and one thing only. And that is that his daughter is home. His daughter is very ill. His daughter is going to die. But he's seeking help from someone he's heard of. He's heard that this man is able to do miracles. And he believes that he, this man has the power to do a miracle for his daughter as well. We don't, we don't know what her name is one of those unnamed people in the Bible. But we find that Jairus is there seeking help. You know, as I, as I read, read through this passage that I've read uh, many, many times, I thought about this. Jairus did not send his wife. Think about it now. I'm not trying to be unkind, guys, but Jairus did not send his wife. Jairus did not... I, I think Jairus might have had servants, even. I don't know this to be the case, I think he probably did, but either way, it's not like it's a, I'm not 
adding something, but I know this, Jairus did not send a servant. He didn't send his wife. He didn't send his servant. He didn't send one of the members of the congregation. Jairus, the father, said, I've got to seek help for my child. We need a revival of this in our homes. Men, we need a revival of this that it's not up to mom to do all the spiritual leading. It's not up to mom to, do, to emphasize church. It's not up to mom to do these things. It's up to us as the men of God, as the, as the leader that God has appointed, that we seek help. Jairus took it upon himself. Do you think Jairus had other things to do? How many of you think Jairus had other things to do? Raise your hand. I know Jairus had other things to do. He took time. He stopped everything that he had to do. He stopped. He cleared his schedule. He said, it doesn't matter what my schedule says. This is most important. Jesus is coming across the sea. I've got to get, I've got to seek help. And in, I, know, I know we're not necessarily uh, seeking help in the same way. Maybe you've got a child that's sick today and you're praying for them. And I'm not saying that's not important. We're talking about this in a spiritual sense. There is no one who can help your wayward teenager like the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no one who can help your family like the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is my responsibility as the father. First and foremost. To say what else matters? I lose my job. Does that matter more than my child? No. Doesn't. How am I going to pay the bills? You have a God in heaven who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You have one son. You have one daughter. You have one shot. Think about it. He sought help. He didn't ask anybody else to do it. He did it himself. That just captivated me. As I read that over and over again, he took it upon himself to stop everything else and seek the help for his daughter. There might be a time in your life, there might be a time in my life when we need to stop everything else and seek help for our child, seek help for someone in need, seek help for a family member. And I'm not saying just as fathers, but there might be someone today in your life that you need to stop everything that you're doing in some way and you need to seek help for them. This problem was too big for Jairus. So he sought help. He went to the one who was more than capable of helping. He went to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I encourage you, stop trying to carry it all. Dad, this is where the macho part of us dads needs to be put in check. Stop trying to carry it all and seek help from the Lord. Men, let's stop trying to carry it all and seek help from the Lord. Could there be something going on in the life today of a family member and maybe that's completely out of your control, you say? Well, have you continued to bring it to the feet of Jesus? Because no one can stop you from bringing your need to the feet of Jesus except you. Except you. Except me. Oh, today Jesus is waiting for us to bring the need. Delay, delay. If we delay, if we put it off, it could be disastrous. Let's not put it off. If Jairus had waited one more week, I submit to you, he would have missed out. I can't handle it. It's time that I say, I've got to seek the Lord on this. I've got to beg God on this. Psalm 70 verse 1. The first two words are, make haste. Make haste. 
I don't know what that means to you, but when I read that, it's not a snail. A snail's not making haste to go anywhere. That's a cheetah. That's a cheetah. Make haste. In other words, don't delay. What does the psalmist say? He says, make haste, oh God, to deliver me. And then he says it again, make haste. Psalm 70, verse 1. Two times the statement, make haste. If I could, if I could have a neon flashing light up here, it's on the screen even to help us. But it's in your Bible, which is even better than the screen, okay? Make haste two times. How many times do we need God to tell us today? Make haste. I'm here to help you. Don't delay. Uh, dear mother, don't delay. This isn't just for dads. Dear Christian, don't delay. He said, make haste. Oh, my God. And then he says, make haste to help me. Oh, Lord. I'm glad we have a God who's there waiting for us. And all we need to do is make haste to him. Make haste to Jehovah Shammah. Why? Because he's there. He's there. He's real. And he wants to help deliver me and you. This is impossible. Good. He specializes in those cases. Make haste though. That means get moving. Get moving. One of, the, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, I have... Lots of them, but one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm 121. It's here. Psalm 121. I will lift up thine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Lift up your eyes today, Father. Lift up your eyes today, husband. Lift up your eyes today, sister in the Lord. Lift up your eyes today. Teenager, you say, my relationship with my father isn't what it ought to be. Then seek help. Seek help. It goes both ways. Yes, the father should lead, but don't wait on your father. If he's not making the move himself, then you seek help. You seek help. I'm not saying don't dishonor your dad or disrespect your dad. No. But we're just as responsible. We have the truth, don't we? So follow whatever the Lord is leading you to in this area. He help sought help was sought. Let's move on. Number two. Number two, we see our text. Behold, there cometh one of the rulers to the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, when Jairus saw the Lord. Number two, we see humility shown. Humility. Notice what it says in verse 22. When he saw him, this is the leader of the synagogue. This is an important person. This is someone with uh, a title. This is someone who was respected in the community. This was someone who everybody knew who he was. But it didn't matter. Because immediately... He goes to the feet of the Lord Jesus. You see it? He fell at his feet. 
Jairus, the leader, Jairus, the influential man, Jairus, uh, the, the important one, Jairus, uh, a community leader, Jairus this, Jairus that, whatever you want a title you want to give him. But here we see the humility. 2 Chronicles 32, 26, notwithstanding Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart. Both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of trouble. King Hezekiah, the important one, he, said, he, he recognized, I've got too much pride. There's a great passage to read when you have time. Jot it down and read it even this week, but he humbled himself. Do we ever need a revival of humility in the home? Can I say that it starts with the men? Do we ever need a revival of humble fathers and humble husbands? Our children need a father who is exalted by God and not by self. They don't need to know how good you are at everything that you do. They need to know how good God is. They don't need to know how much I've sacrificed for them. They need to know how much God has sacrificed for them. Think about it. We get, the, we get the eye disease. Hey, again, I'm not trying to be unkind. This is not meant to be harsh or unkind, but I, I'm, I, I know, I know that pride is a big problem because I suffer with it. What gets God's attention? Well, pride does, but it gets it in the wrong way because when, I'm, when you're prideful, he resists us. But when we're humble, exalts us. Humility. Uh, Matthew 23, 12, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. We see that Jairus sought help. We see that Jairus showed humility. Number three, Number three, look at verse 23. And besought him greatly. I would underline those words in my Bible if you're into underlining. Besought him greatly. This, what, this is not seeking him greatly. This is not seeking him greatly. Now, Jesus, if you have time, if you have time, my daughter's kind of sick. And, you know, if you have time, could you come with me? That's not seeking him greatly. I mean, he's at his feet. He's beseeching him greatly. I think there is an inward emotion knowing that the only reason that he's there is this daughter, and his daughter is a breath away, a heartbeat away. He was not there for his personal needs. He was not there for his personal needs. Now there's a time for that. But this father was there for the need of his daughter. And he besought the Lord greatly. He came to solicit the healing of his daughter. I, I just, I have a vision. I'm not even going to try to portray it because I think it would do it injustice because I'm not in that moment right now as he was. But I, I see him pouring out his heart. And while we're not necessarily going to go physically to the feet of Jesus today, but we can go to the feet of Jesus and pour out our heart to the Lord Jesus and, and, and beseech Him greatly for our kids. 
Again, nobody came out under a rock today. Satan is destroying one kid, child, after another. Just like that. You can't let it happen. We've got to beseech the Lord greatly. We've got to solicit. We've got, we've got, there was healing that was solicited. And I'm not, maybe the need today is not a sickness. Maybe the need, a physical sickness, but maybe the need is a spiritual sickness. I submit to you, let's seek the Lord uh, passionately on the behalf of the next generation. You say, Pastor, I'm not even married. I don't have any children. But I, I get it. I get it. I'm with you. We need to seek the Lord for the next generation. We need to seek the Lord passionately as Jairus did and, 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 and seek the healing that these children and young people need. There's no doubt that Jairus cared for his daughter. There's no doubt that Jairus was concerned. There's no doubt that Jairus loved her. Can I ask you, when, and I'm just not, not expecting an answer out loud, but when is the last time we poured out our heart to God for our wayward child? Or when is the last time we poured out our heart for someone we know that is under a great spiritual attack? When is the last time we prayed for an unsaved husband? I mean, poured out our heart for an unsaved wife or poured out our heart for an unsaved child or an unsaved family member? When is the last time we poured out our heart for someone to come back to God? There's no greater person that we can solicit than the very Jehovah Shammah. Because he's there. He's there. He's not absent. He's not a phantom. He is there. How much time do I solicit the one who can make the difference? How much time do I solicit the King of kings and Lord of lords? How much time do I go to Him and say, God, I am so burdened for and fill in the blank. God knows my heart, but I speak to Him. I'm so burdened for this and I'm so burdened for this and I'm so burdened. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, God, I'm asking You to bring spiritual healing. Colossians 1.9, for this cause we also... Since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We also, since the day we heard it, whether we are a father or not today, we can all join in on this ministry of intercession. Just this week, I had someone contact me that I haven't heard from in probably seven years. Seven years. I don't know what, I don't know what the real need is. But it has nothing to do with me, but I'm thankful that who, whatever the need is, I'm thankful that there was at least some kind of comfortableness to say, help. Help me. But I can't help anybody. You can't help anybody. But Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. He can help everybody. And we go to him, as Jairus did. We solicit. We solicit his healing.
so thankful that God is faithful. God never turns away someone who comes back to him. That's why our God is loving. Praise the Lord that this story ends in verse 41 and 42. This story ends, number four, with a happy sight. A happy sight. (laughs) Now, in between what we just read and verse 41 and 42, there was a little bit of a delay. You can read that for yourself. (laughs) Another miracle is done en route to Jairus' house. Another miracle is done. But a happy sight. Well, before that, let's turn back, though, and let's look at... um, um, verse 35, sorry, verse 35. And while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house. This is after the delay, which said, verse 35, thy daughter is what? Dead. Why trouble thou the master any further? It's impossible. That's it. She's dead. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, can you, can you picture can you picture Jesus turning to Jairus and saying, be not afraid, only believe. Be not afraid, Jairus. This person will never be not afraid. He makes the journey to Jairus' house. You can read that. Verse 40, those people that were there were, were laughing, scorning, and mocking. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in with the damsel was lying. Verse 41, and this is where we began reading. And he took the damsel by the hand. Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Straightway the damsel arose and walked. What a happy sight that would have been. A dead daughter, and yet now Jesus calls her. Now the daughter is alive. Now the daughter is walking on her own strength. I mean, it's a miracle. How did this happen? How did this happen? Well, first and foremost, this happened by the power of God. This was not a miracle that Jairus could do. This this was the power of God. But if Jairus hadn't left home and if Jairus hadn't sought help, if Jairus hadn't humbled himself, if Jairus hadn't uh, beseeched the Savior, if Jairus hadn't done what a faithful parent would do in leading up to it, we don't have the miracle like we have it today. The morning was changed to astonishment. This result came by the power of God. This result came as well by the actions of a faithful father. Father that was also there. Think about it. A father that was also there. Not a perfect man, of course. He was there. He was present. He took the time. Father who was not so prideful that he would not ask for help. Father who had faith in the Lord Jesus, 
God always honors I say today, God, I need more faith. I need more faith. God honored the help that was sought by Jairus. God honored the humility of Jairus. God honored the solicitation for the healing. I believe we have a good example, not a perfect one, but I believe we have a good example here in Mark chapter 5. Whether we're a father, a mother, a follower of Jesus Christ, this is these principles well. that we have thankful that we have someone when we think there's no possible way we have someone that we can go to it's going to take some humility I know we have we have hurting hearts in this room today, both of you. My heart hurts. Now's not the time to give up. no game. This has eternity, eternity in view. We have eternal things in view. 